You're listening to Perry Noble's thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. You can find Perry online at perrynoble.com. Well, hello and welcome to the July 2014 edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. My name's Shane. I'll be your host today, and we're going to discuss a great topic today, getting and staying healthy. But before we get to that, I want to make one announcement, and that's to make everyone aware of a leadership intensive that Perry will be leading over in Israel, October 14th through the 21st of this year, 2014. All the information you need about that can be found at unleash.cc. And Perry, before we jump into today's topic, I'll let you pitch these guys and tell them why they need to go to Israel with you. I want you to go to Israel for a couple reasons. Number one, um, it's going to make you a better leader. Um, number two, if you're a preacher, communicator, whatever, it's going to take your Bible teaching to the next level. Number three, it's going to take your understanding of the scriptures to a level that you've never experienced in your life. I'm telling you, um, you, you, there is not a greater experience that I've done as a leader that shaped me more than Israel. I've been to conferences, I'm, and I'm big on conferences. I love com- We're having one um, in August. I love conferences. I love roundtables. But being in Israel and actually being in the places where Jesus was and seeing how great of a leader he was is absolutely life-changing. It is, um, it's an investment. Um, all the information can be found at unleash.cc and you can go there it's october 14th through 21st you need to pull the trigger and and do this because here's the deal um most people wait till they're like 80 to go to israel and if you're 80 listening to the pod first of all if you're 80 listening to a podcast congratulations you are obviously way ahead of your peers um but don't wait till you're 80 go go as soon as possible i promise you it'll it will impact your leadership. Yep, for sure. Well, with that, we're going to jump in uh, to today's topic, getting and staying healthy. Some of you may remember that back in February of this year, 2014, we actually released two podcasts uh, on the topic of our New Spring staff core values. And one of those core values was uh, commit to change. Uh, So if you haven't listened to those, go back and listen to them. Uh, they're, They're really, really good. Uh, but if you hadn't listened to them, you can you can clue right in uh, today uh, because we're going to talk about the commit to change value, but specifically uh, the H in change. Change is an acronym uh, that says commit to caring about people. H is health. A is awe. N is numbers. G is grit. E is everything matters. But today we want to focus on the H and talk about the importance of getting and staying healthy in every area of our life, emotionally, relationally, financially, physically, and spiritually. So Perry, before we jump into some specific questions about these areas of health, would you tell listeners why this is so important as to be a part of our staff core values? One of the things that we started saying around here years ago, Shane, and it really did connect not only with our staff, but I think with leaders all over, is we care more about a, uh, who, a pers- how, who you're becoming than what you're doing. Um, because if you're becoming the right person, you're going to be doing yep. the right things. But you don't become the right person without being healthy. And so we said at the beginning of this year that we're going to intentionally pursue being healthy on our staff because um, a healthy staff and a healthy leader will produce more in a church or any business than um, – than anyone 
any other organization right now. By the time this podcast is released, um, this series will be over. But um, as of right now, the uh, San Antonio Spurs are getting ready to take on the Miami Heat in the NBA Finals. And I was watching an article today. Or I was watching an article. That was stupid. I was watching a new Only show today. Only special people can actually do that. I can watch articles. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, it's my spiritual gift. Yeah. But uh, Tony Parker, who's a major player for the San Antonio Spurs, he's uh, he sprained his ankle in the last game. And they're talking about whether or not he can play this next game. Well, that's pretty major for the Spurs. He's a major player, and he's injured. Well, the same thing can happen in ministry. Um, not necessarily sprained ankles, um, maybe sprained egos, maybe sprained finances, maybe sprained health. And so that's why I think it's really important because it's our goal to have everybody on the team performing at maximum capacity when they're needed. Um, but that doesn't mean they're just good workers. That means they're good husbands or wives or good um, good, you know, fathers, good, good mothers. We want them just to be good at everything. Yep. Everything affects everything. Well, with that, let's jump into the first area of health and we're calling it emotional health. And so my first question is what type of things are included when you think about emotional health, emotional health. Um, Hey, uh, there's this really cool book out right now called overwhelmed. Um, That is a cool shameless book plug. But, um, in the book, I talk about how as church leaders, um, one of the things that we do, and, and we do this sometimes unconsciously, sometimes even consciously, is we pretend that we've got everything together and everything's okay. And we feel like we have to pretend it in or e- even if it's not true. What happens over a long time, and, and, and don't miss this, if you're a leader who's pretending, eventually when you pretend that you're emotionally healthy and you're not, you're building a house on sand. And Jesus said something about that at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. You don't want to build your house on sand because the longer you pretend, the bigger the house gets. And when the storm comes and the sand washes away, the bigger the crash is. And so I understood because of what I went through personally that um, if the house crashed, not only did my house crash, but it affected a lot of people. And I, I can tell you this, I've been told by my staff members, if you're a senior leader, listen to this, I've been told by people who directly reported to me, it is way more fun and way more rewarding to work for an emotionally healthy leader. Yeah, and it's also way more healthy and way more fun to work with a leader who's okay talking about where they are emotionally. Yep, yep. Uh, second question, Perry, what are some ways, uh, you work to stay emotionally healthy? Here's the thing. You have to figure out what this is for you. Um, nobody, nobody is going to work and fight for your emotional health more than you. And so many times as leaders, we feel guilty for this. Um, I would say a couple of things, um, stand out of my mind. Number one, you've got to have something you do once a week just for fun and and it doesn't have to be godly or spiritual you don't it shouldn't require prayer and meditation and an hour of bible study before you do it if you love to play golf go play golf um and go play golf with some friends uh that, that um and it's not a church golf trip um go fishing if you love to fish go hunting i've, I've got a boat i love to go out on the lake and to to me um, if I can get out on the lake and pull some people in a tube and, 
and and then afterwards we all come in and we go eat some barbecue or something like that. To me, that is just the most fun day in the world. Um, if you don't have fun, you're going to explode. And so um, that that's the first thing is you got to have fun. The second thing, um, and this is even bigger, is you really do have to believe that Jesus said he would build his church. Um, and if we don't get our work done, the thing that we can rest assured with is that Jesus is going to get his work done. For 2,000 years, he's worked with a group of imperfect people called sinners, which includes all of us. And even though we have always fallen short, he never has. Right. He's always completed what he started. And he's got a really good track record. And finally, beginning to wrap my mind around that helped me get in a really emotionally healthy place. That's really good. Let's talk about this. How is being emotionally healthy important in regards to how it impacts the other areas of health we're going to talk about? If you're not emotionally healthy, I don't think any other area of your life can be truly healthy. It's got to start with a mind that really is focused on Christ. Um, the Apostle Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, that we're to set our hearts and we're to set our minds on Christ and I think those are the two. I think those are two of the best leadership verses um, in the world. Because as leaders, when we don't have our heart and we don't have our mind focused on Christ, um, we become real unChrist-like, and so we can begin to yell at people. We can begin to scream at people. And let me stop and say this right right now. Anytime a leader begins to yell or verbally abuse other staff members, that leader is not emotionally healthy. Emotionally healthy people do not fly off the handle. Now, I'm not saying there can't be conversations where voices get elevated. I'm not saying there can't be high emotion involved in the conversation. But if there's a leader um, leading that way, by the way, if he's doing that, he's not leading, he's manipulating, um, or she's manipulating. But that's, that's a sign that something is broken because as I read the Gospels, I just don't think Jesus intended for us to treat each other that way. And so um, Jesus, the most emotionally healthy leader ever, never just went psycho um, except when he cleared the temple. If you ever are in, uh, in, in a situation like that, you got to clear some temple, but just make sure that you're the Son of God. And if you are the Son of God, you can do that. Other than that, um, we really got to check our motives on the whole clearing the temple thing. So good. Uh, next area, relational health. Uh, let me ask this. You know, marriage and ministry uh, can often be at war. Uh, what are the priorities here, and how do you encourage someone to keep those priorities straight? The, the place I landed for me personally is anybody can pastor this church. Only one person can be Lucretia's husband. And, um, and, and so I, I enjoy doing both. But I don't want to have an affair with the bride of Christ, and as a result, lose my lose my bride. Um, and so I, I really began to understand that if my marriage is not healthy, my ministry will not be healthy. Um, and that's that's just true, because what happens at home is going to affect what happens at work, and what happens at work is going to affect what happens at home. And so one of the things that I've began to understand is my marriage is going to be intentional, and it, my marriage is going to be good as long as I'm intentional on working on it and making it good. And the only way I'm going to be intentional about working on it and making it good is if I'm 
emotionally healthy. When I get home, I don't shut down. I actually um, put more energy into being a good husband and more energy into being a good father. Um, And you can only do that if you're emotionally healthy. What do you do when you're faced with a dilemma to give Lucretia time or the church time? If there's ever that tension, how do you process through which way to go? Um, the, the best advice I can give to a leader in that situation is I define what an emergency is. You do not get, no one else gets to define emergency for me. Um, because some people go, I have a, I have an emergency and I've had to learn to tell people your lack of planning is not my emergency. Um, I, if somebody says I've got an emergency, I need to talk. I've got an emergency. Can I come see you? I've got an emergency. Can you come see me? Um, I'll learn what that situation is because if you're a pastor, and listen, church size at this point does not matter. If you're a church leader, if you're a ministry leader, if you, whether you've got 100 people or 1,000 people, um, that's how many emergencies you are likely to have in a given day. And so when the phone rings or the email comes, um, I define emergency. And so when there is an emergency, Lucretia knows um, that's the exception. I don't have an emergency three I don't even have three or four emergencies a week. I might have one or two a month. But when I say, hey, I need to go take this call or I need to go um, send an email real quick or I need to reply to this, it's not a, oh, here we go again. Um, I'm second place to the church. Uh, She understands because I am the one who gets to define what an emergency is. That's good. You know, when kids enter the picture, things can get even more complicated. What are some tips for staying healthy when you uh, add kids to the family? I would say, and Shane, you are actually, um, you've got four. I've got one. Um, I I had one and tapped out. You kept going. (laughs) Um, But I would say this is something. I finally figured out what caused that. Yeah, but you kept going. That's what I'm saying. Um, That you, I've seen this from you, and I've seen this from uh, Paul Marshall, Mm -hmm. who is the CFO on our staff, who has uh, three kids that are grown and gone and I think that's the goal, get them grown and gone, is, and I've learned this, especially in ministry, if you don't intentionally spend time with your kids, you won't spend time with your kids. Mm-hmm. If you say, um, I'm just going to, I'm just going to not really a planner. I'm just going to kind of let it happen organically. I'm just kind of one of those people. You're never going to spend time with your children. So for me, um, every Saturday is date day with Karis. And uh, just yesterday, Karis and I went on a date. And so while we're on this date, I received a text that in this person's mind, it was an emergency. And you know what? It's a pretty serious situation that the person texted me about yesterday. But because I'm with Karis, I get to define what an emergency is, and I did not respond to this person. Um, I've got a phone call from a really great friend in ministry. Um, I honestly wanted to take the call, but in order to take the call, I would have had to tune out of that time with Karis. And so that that Saturday morning, every week, that's her time. And she knows daddy is not going to take a call or get tuned into something if it's not an emergency. So I, I'm, I just tell pa- pastors and church leaders, you've got to intentionally spend time with your children. And when you spend time with your children, be with them. Don't be on your phone. Don't be in a ministry con- Don't take your kid to breakfast at Cracker Barrel, have a ministry conversation over the phone for 45 minutes, and then tell everybody that you had breakfast with your kid. You didn't have breakfast with your kid. You 
brought your kid along with them and made yourself feel better about spending time with your children while you did ministry. Uh, you got to intentionally spend time in uh, with your children, which means getting in their world. So I have conversations all the time about um, evidently there's a new fairy movie out called The Pirate Fairy. And so I learned all about The Pirate Fairy. You don't have any girls, so you no don't girls. understand what they, but I, I just understand. <laughs> now I'm, I've got it, man. I know what that is, but I want to know what's going on in her world because one day it won't be pirate fairies. One day, one day it'll be boys. Yeah. And so if I Look teach out. her, but here's the deal is she'll talk to me about pirate fairies. Now she'll talk to me about boys yeah. later. And there's so, too, too, yeah. There's too many dads that they don't want to have the conversation about the pirate fairies now but they want to have the conversation with the boys later. And where I'm earning equity with Karis is right now. So, would, you, would you agree with that? I mean, because you've got uh, Yeah, boys. absolutely. I was just going to add just one thing for guys listening out there, our gals. You know, the, the most important years, at least I've seen in my family, are about 1 to 13. Yep. Because at 13, 14, and 15, the kids start to get their own agenda. They start doing things. They start driving cars. And so you build that relationship and that equity before they have a lot of freedom. And what I've seen is because we spent time doing that, a lot of times my kids will come to me uh, for advice or we'll talk about things and things like that, that I'm a, I really believe that if we hadn't built some good frameworks before they got that age wouldn't exist. Yeah. And so the younger they are, the more important what you're talking about is, Absolutely. in my opinion. Um, and let's speak real quickly for relational health. There's some people, some folks out there listening don't have wives or kids. Uh, so how can a single person work to stay relationally healthy? I love single people. You can work single people like a dog and 80, 90 hours a week. You don't send them home. You just, no, I, the single, that, that's really a joke. Single people, um, you got to set the parameters now to be emotionally healthy and if you're single and working in ministry, my advice to you would be have as much fun as possible with your with your friends. I mean, we've got a bunch of single people on staff, and I follow a lot of them on Instagram, and I see them going to concerts together. They're going out. They're playing volleyball. They're going out and doing act. And I'm like, man, that is that right there is healthy. That is healthy right there. People going out, having fun, enjoying community, enjoying being around one another. Um, you got to set those patterns in your life and uh, if you're single, one of the temptations in ministry is to get so involved in ministry that you don't have a life. And I would say if you want an effective ministry, you're going to have to have a great life. That's real good. I, I tell young people all the time, don't put patterns and relationships in your life that you're going to have to radically change when you start to pursue a lady uh, or a guy. Dude, if you get in a relationship, that is so good. And that goes for like, I call him softball boy, you know, softball boy that travels all over the place and goes to the weekend tournaments and all that stuff. And hey, I got nothing against softball boy, except for the fact that when, when softball boy gets married, he needs to be willing to lay everything down and become a husband because her goal in life, like her, what she lays in bed and dreams about is not going from softball tournament to softball tournament to softball tournament and see 42-year-old men, boys with beards, um, men who have never grown up and are still trying to live out their high school baseball days. True. Just wanted to throw that in there. All right, let's jump to a somewhat touchy subject, financial health. Uh, why does the condition of our finances even matter? Jesus said more about money in the scriptures than he said about anything. I mean, he talked about more money more than he talked about heaven or hell. Um, 16 out of 38 parables are about money. Um, over 2,000 verses in the Bible have to do with money and possessions. And so I believe that if God himself in his word 
talk that much about money that it's a pretty important subject. Jesus said that no one can serve two masters. He said the number one competitor for our hearts is money, and that's true in ministry as well. And so the, the thing that I've learned about people in ministry is that when we fall in love with money, um, we will let fear of man take over and actually begin to not lead in our churches. Like, for example, I've just seen this, Shane, and you've seen this too. There are church leaders out there right now that don't want or will not make the changes in their church that need to be made because they know if they do, the biggest givers in the church will leave. And then I'll, I'll, I've talked to people about this and confronted them, and they've said, well, I've got to feed my family. And I'm like, well, I'm, you know, God fed over a million people every day in the desert with bread that fell from heaven. I'm quite sure he can get you something from Burger King tonight for dinner. Like, yeah. he's he's real good. He's got this great track record. Um, but I, I think that pe- especially people in ministry should be the most financially um, balanced and most generous people in the world. And, but you can't be you can't be generous if you don't have money. I heard somebody say this recently and I laughed because it's so true. Nobody would have remembered the story of the good Samaritan if the Samaritan had been broke. That's right. <laughs> the only reason we remember that story is because the man had money and because he had money he could pay the innkeeper. So well, you know, one thing you mentioned earlier was the falling in love with money, and that's one issue. Uh, and then you mentioned a second issue was people who are just simply bad managers of their money uh, have gotten themselves in a, in a mess financially. When someone who's not in love with money but realizes they are uh, a poor manager of it um, and they want to get in a good place when, they're, when their finances are out of control, what would you suggest they do to get healthy? You know what's funny, Shane, is I learned this the hard way. Um, I would be willing to bet that an overwhelming majority of leaders listening to this right now are financially overwhelmed, and I understand that. Um, when Lucretia and I got married, um, my financial plan was transferring balances from credit card to credit card. Um, I had, I believe it was either seven or 11. Um, it doesn't matter, but all, all se- I, let's just go seven. That sound, makes me feel a little bit better. Um, seven credit cards fully maxed out. Um, and then, you know, there were finance companies involved, um, car loans. We had over $100,000 in debt and didn't even own a home. And somebody told me, in fact, two people in our church bought me and Lucretia tickets to go see this guy named Dave Ramsey. Now, I'd never heard of Dave Ramsey, never heard of him, and went and sat and listened to him for a day. And when I tell you that day, I believe it was in 2001, when I tell you that day changed my life, it changed my life because I had the tithing thing down. I was giving um, but I was poorly managing the other 90%. And God said, that's the day I realized God said too much about money for me to not manage the 90% well. So Lucretia and I um, put together a plan, a written plan, uh, to get out of debt. And we were able to do that in about four years. Um, we were aggressive with it. Uh, we said no to a lot of things that we wanted um, just so we could say yes to a lot of things later that we would really enjoy. And it was a it was a hard-fought battle. I mean, because we would see friends buying houses, and we were like, we want a house, and we got to live in this apartment that's provided to us for, you know. We had to fight through some things, but I believe that people in ministry, number one, I know that battle 
I mean, most churches' attitude is, God, if you'll keep them humble, we'll keep them poor. And so a lot of people in ministry make next to nothing. But I'm telling you, if you will be a good steward of what God has put in your hands and manage it well, um, God will be faithful to you. I'm not saying I'm not the guy that says he's going to give you a million dollars. I'm telling you, he will be faithful to you if you'll just manage well what he's put in your hands. I believe Luke 16 is the parable of the the shrewd manager and that whole parable jesus said if you're faithful with a little you can be i can trust you with more and so i would just say take whatever you make right now get on a budget just just go read any book that dave wrote on finances um or or joe sangle i was broke now i'm not um go read something that he wrote i'm telling you there is a way out of the financial hole that you're in and as a minister in any context you have an obligation to your church to work to try to get financially healthy because when you're financially healthy you're a better leader yeah you're just a better leader you're not making decisions on fear of man you're making decisions on what's the right thing to do yeah that's real good that's a good word uh physical health let's talk about that for a minute um how does our physical health impact everything else we do it's major um if you are obese and notice I said obese, not overweight. I mean, I, I'm talking obese. If you're obese or even overweight and you don't work out and you don't eat right, you cannot perform to your maximum capacity. It is a, It has nothing to do with your prayer life. It has everything to do with the fact that you eat pork rinds for a snack every day. And so, um, and listen, I've battled this too. I've came through this. Um, I, I, I've, I've learned the, the hard way that my physical condition in my body will affect my emotional and even my spiritual condition. Like, it's hard to be godly when you're all, it's hard to be godly when you're climbing steps and you're out of breath every time you get to the top of the steps. Yeah. You know, it's hard to be godly when you, you can't, um, you can't walk down the hall without putting your hands on your side. Um, I'm real big on physical health because the body's a temple. Um, and I, I was one of those guys that needed a temple reduction and you just, you know, you have to work on that. And, uh, just to create clarity here, is this mainly about appearance or is there more to it than that? No, no, there's way more to it than that. Um, I think, and this is what I think, Shane, you've heard me say this for years. Um, I come from an, a denomination, the, the Southern Baptist that, um, are, are really big on the whole anti-alcohol movement. You can't. Um, you can't drink beer, you can't drink wine, um, but they don't have a problem drinking gravy. And I'm not trying to pick a fight. I'm just saying you don't hear too many messages in that particular context about being overweight, um, battling the disease known as, um, I like to call it fatas. And so if, if somebody has that fatas, that's, that's right. Fatas. Um, if, if somebody has that that is um, a public declaration that I don't care enough about my body to take care of it. I've told people before, hey, listen, if you want to see your children graduate high school or you, or you want to see grandchildren one day, you're going to have to make significant adjustments um, to your lifestyle because what, I think our bodies are a testimony as to what we believe about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And for years, it was obviously, I believed a lot about Jesus, but I, <laughs> I, I just, there was, there was so much of me, so much joy. But here's the other thing I know from being overweight, or obese actually for years, is nobody's truly happy in that condition. And once again, you can't lead well if you're physically enabled to lead well. Yeah, that's good. So if you're out there, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean or offend anybody. I know the battle that, that this has, but I'm telling you, it will impact your ability to lead. I've had people get mad at me going, it doesn't impact my ability to lead. No, it does. It does. It really does impact your ability to lead. Well, I think we're seeing a trend. I mean, every one of these areas we've talked about so far obviously have an impact on the other areas. And being healthy is a, a well-rounded thing, no pun intended. Uh, let's jump to spiritual health. Um, how can we know if we're really spiritually healthy? Man, you got – I hate to be this guy that, that goes off in this word because it makes me sound <clears throat> really mystical and and kind of like hipsterish and um, – but it, it's the it's the peace thing. You're you're able to walk around having the that that peace of God in, in your life. You, you know, it's that whole everything might not be okay right now, but everything's gonna be okay. That's when you know you're you're spiritually healthy when you've really and that ties back into emotional health so well. When you know that you have done all you can do, and you're gonna trust Christ for the rest. That's good. You don't just have peace with God, but you have the peace of God. You have both, absolutely. Because so many people want to make spiritual health about, well, you got to read your, you know, Bible for an hour a day, and you got to pray for another thirty minutes, and then you got to journal, and then you got to memorize scripture. And I tell people, no, 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 no. Here's what you need to do: you need to find out what sets your heart on fire for Jesus, and then just do that a whole bunch. Yep. For me, though, I mean, not trying to sound like the super spiritual guy, it is reading my Bible. Mm-hmm. I love reading my Bible. It sets my heart on fire for Jesus. But going into a room and praying with a bunch of people for 30 minutes, I'd rather um, jump out of a window. I, that does not set my heart on fire for Jesus. Um, sitting in a room and memorizing Scripture, and I, I, do, I, once, I do pray. I do memorize Scripture. Um, some people, they absolutely love to sing worship songs. They could go to a concert and sing worship songs for an hour. You know, five minutes into it, I'm done. It doesn't make me a less spiritual person. It means you find out what sets your heart on fire for Jesus and do that a lot. I believe um, you'll be spiritually healthy. That's real good. And you may have already answered this question in the answer to the first one, but if you think you're not spiritual healthy, if we sense we're, we don't have that kind of peace, what should someone do? Um, I would I would go back to what I just said. Find out what sets your heart on fire for Jesus and do that. I was recently in a meeting um, where I, uh, I was with a group of, um, group of interns or apprentices in our church. And this one person said, Hey, um, I'm struggling right now spiritually. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, I'm in a dry season or whatever. And I walked him through the fact that Jesus did not walk around his dry seasons. He walked through them mm-hmm. when Jesus went out in the desert, um, to be, he fasted for 40 days, right? And then he was tempted. Um, he didn't get delivered from that. He got delivered through that. And so those dry seasons in the desert are after after those are when God reveals himself in amazing ways. But I shocked this guy because he said, I said, well, tell me about, what, tell me about your quiet time. He said, well, I get up, and I think he said, I read the Bible and pray every morning for about an hour, and I do all this stuff. 
Um, and when he got finished with his spirit, I mean, he was practicing like every spiritual discipline. And I think he threw in two or three that I'd never heard of. And so when he finished that, I asked him, I said, what do you need to do? What do you think you need to do? And this is what he said. Well, I guess I just need to get in the word more. And maybe that's the answer for some people, but that can be the most spiritually frustrating answer because we feel like we're not getting anything out of it. So we put more and more and more into it and we're still not getting anything out of it. And so I remember looking at this guy and I said, tomorrow morning, read your Bible for 10 minutes and then quit. And he just looked at me and I was like, just, just read your Bible for 10 minutes and quit. I said, don't, don't read it anymore. Quit. Do that for the, the, just the next week. Just read your Bible for 10 minutes. Um, pray about that. Thank God for that time. And then move on. Um, and I think that was one of the, I think that was spiritually beneficial for him because he was, when we get too locked into the spiritual disciplines, and let me stop and say, I am for all of them. But when we get locked into the fact of, I need to do more of these because I'm not getting out of them, it can actually lead to being spiritually unhealthy because we begin doing things not out of delight, but out of duty. And then when that happens, man, it's it's unhealthy all over the place. No, that's real good. Uh, of course, we've talked about this already, but really all these areas affect uh, all the other areas. And so as we close out today's podcast, what are some final thoughts uh, in regards to being healthy or some ways to get help if you feel like you're not? Anything you want to share with the listeners before we sign off? You know, this is going to sound planned, but it's totally unplanned. Um, last year when I was in Israel, um, I, I spent about a, you know, a week over there, and I was doing some teaching. Shane, you were actually on this trip. Um, but we had a gentleman with us who was a Messianic Jew, um, and he spent a lot of time teaching. I would I would say he taught about 70% of the time on that trip off camera. Yep. Um, I taught about 30% on camera. And that for me, and I, I want ministry leaders to listen, it was the most refreshing, spiritually, emotionally, physically, um, re-energizing thing I'd experienced. And I told my wife when I came back, I said, I think... I go at such a pace because if you're a leader, you've got a busy pace. You, you don't no no leader wakes up every day going, God, please make me busy today. I've got nothing to do. Um, if that's your prayer, you're not a leader. Uh, but when I got over there and I was able to sit back and relax, it literally and and this this phrase is so overused, but the best way I can try to th- describe it was drinking from a fire hydrant. I feel like I was dehydrated and depleted, and I didn't know it. And I came back from that experience and impacted me so much that I scheduled a trip and went back over and spent an entire eight days just with this guy. And I'm telling you, you you've got to find something like that that re-energizes you, that fills you. You've got to do something fun, and you've got to do it without apology because if you will invest in you becoming a better leader, everyone who works with you and for you wins as a result yeah no doubt you know mark batterson said new pace new place new perspective that's so true and i'll just you know add to that you know that trip to israel and this isn't a plug we really didn't plan this but if, if you're a leader at this place and you want to get healthy there probably isn't a better place new place uh and new pace to gain a new perspective than in israel absolutely so i definitely recommend that again uh, as we sign off this month the july 2014 edition of the perry noble leadership podcast thanks for listening and we'll see you guys next time happy birthday america